In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Every year about this time, I get this uh, desire to preach the same sermon that I've been preaching for the last 15 years. It's this prayer we pray for proper 17, and it just gets stuck in my craw, and I can't let it go. It's unlike anything else we find in our Book of Common Prayer. Specifically, it's this petition that the, the God of all power and might, the author and giver of all good things, might increase in us true religion. Every year I wonder to myself, what on earth does that mean? What are we praying for? The word religion only appears eight times in the Book of Common Prayer. Two of those times are in the right one and right two versions of the collect for today. Now, how is it that a word that gets so little airtime in our 1,000-page statement of faith can be the central request of a prayer that we pray on an annual basis? What does it mean to ask God to increase in us true religion? These questions are increasingly important, I think, in a world that is becoming more and more secular. According to Pew Research Center's 2021 National Public Opinion Reference Survey on Religion, for the first time since their survey work started, more Americans said that religion played somewhat little or no importance in their lives than those who said that religion was very important to them. Increasingly, religion, and specifically the Christian religion, carries with it all kinds of negative connotations. In March, the Episcopal Church published a study that showed that while most Christians see themselves as giving, compassionate, loving, and respectful, the majority of non-religious Americans see us as hypocritical, judgmental, and self-righteous. A plurality of those from other religious traditions feel the same. It isn't a stretch to suggest that Christians, no matter their denomination, have failed to shine a positive light on our religion. In 1549, when Thomas Cranmer was editing the first Book of Common Prayer and chose this prayer for inclusion, he had similar feelings about the religion of his time, Roman Catholicism. So rather than just translating the prayer, increase in us religion, he added the word true to differentiate what he thought that he and his other reformers were creating from all that had come before. True religion, as opposed to that impure religion of Rome, he thought, was what Cranmer hoped for his church and the one that he would leave behind. But nearly 500 years later, it seems like we still have a long, long way to go. So as we seek after true religion, the first question we have to ask is, well, what on earth is religion? In the year 750, when this collect was first put to paper, Religion connoted faith as 
the lived experience of love. Veneration, devotion, awe, worship, transcendence, and trust. Religion was a way of life. The lived experience of love. Devotion. Trust. These are terms that define what Cranmer might call true religion in its earliest form. Nearly 1,300 years after this prayer was first prayed, religion has come to mean something entirely, and I believe quite unhelpfully, different. If you Google the word religion, the first definition that comes up is the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power. Ugh. Is that what you signed up for? It bears very little resemblance to the lived experience of love. The late Wilfred Cantwell Smith was a comparative religion scholar at McGill and Harvard Universities. And he argued that religion underwent a significant change of meaning after the Protestant Reformation. Christian writers began to use the word religion more frequently during the 17th century to signify a system of ideas or beliefs about God. Throughout the centuries that followed, Smith says, in pamphlet after pamphlet, treatise after treatise, decade after decade, the notion was driven home that religion is something that one believes or does not believe, something whose propositions are true or not true, so that by the time we get to where we are today, religion has become indistinguishable from ideas about God, religious institutions, and even human beings. It categorizes, organizes, objectifies, and divides people into exclusive worlds of right versus wrong, true versus false, us versus them. Categorize or compare that to the mission of the church to bring all people into right relationship with God and with each other through Jesus Christ. The modern understanding of religion is nowhere close to the meaning of religion that the original authors of this prayer had in mind. And so, if we are going to take this prayer seriously, we need to begin to reclaim some of that old-time true religion. Conveniently, our lectionary helps us with the passage from Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is a sermon, a really long sermon or a series of sermons. And so as this sermon series comes to an end, the author writes a list of practical and pastoral advice for living out the life of faith, true religion. And it all depends on love. Let mutual love continue, the preacher writes, exhorting their congregation to care for one another as if they were members of each other's family. Practice Philadelphia, he writes, brotherly, sisterly, sibling love. 
Practice it by sharing resources, by cooperating with each other, by showing compassion and an ongoing commitment to your siblings in Christ Jesus. But the preacher says, true religion doesn't stop at the doors of the church and love isn't only for the people who sit in the pew next to you. The preacher goes on to admonish the congregation, do not neglect to show hospitality to the stranger. That word translated as hospitality is philonexia, the love of stranger. It is a foundational tenet of the religion that was established in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The preacher goes on to describe true religion as that which cares for those in prison like you yourself were in prison, who cares for those being tortured for their faith like you yourself was being tortured for your faith. True religion means maintaining a faithful commitment to one's spouse if you have one. True commitment, true religion means not letting the love of money replace the love of God, the love of neighbor the love of sibling, and the love of stranger. And the preacher wraps up the sermon with these words, do not neglect to do good, and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This morning, our annual ministry fair is happening out in Surface Hall. Through those doors, you'll have a chance to hear about all the good things being done in the name of Jesus inside and outside the walls of this church. Christ Church does a pretty good job of living out true religion like it is described in Hebrews 13. But the hard truth of it is that none of the programs we do will be pleasing to God if underneath it all there isn't love. What is most important to the preacher of Hebrews and to the preacher of this sermon is that the motivation we have for everything we do is love. The Diocese of Ohio has taken on a slogan that I think sums up this true religion thing quite well. Love God, love your neighbor change the world. Increase in us true religion, O God, and teach us to love you, to love our neighbors, to love the stranger, so that together we might change the world. Amen. Amen.